following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. We are going to pray this prayer together. It's um, by St. Ignatius of Loyola. So please read along and pray this prayer with me. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, O good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from thee. From the malignant enemy, defend me. In the hour of my death, call me. And bid me come unto thee, that with thy saints I may praise thee forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to read from Matthew, Matthew 5, verses 1 through 11. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Thank you, Scott. So we're, we're starting something new today. And uh, to get you thinking about it and get you kind of moving in the right direction, I'm going to ask you to do a little thought experiment, which I sometimes do at the start of these things. Today, I want to ask each one of you, whether you're here in the room or joining us online or listening to this later, uh, to think of a person that you knew who has died, um, who was a person who showed God to you in some meaningful way. Now, you may not have somebody in your life like that who has died, so if you prefer, you can think of someone who's still living. Um, But ideally, it's someone who's as far back as you can remember, who had an impact on you, who showed God to you in some way. The important thing is that that they had this meaningful uh, way of revealing God to you. Maybe they led you to Christ if you had that kind of a conversion experience. I know not all of us did. Um, Maybe there's somebody who taught you about the Bible. Maybe they were someone who offered you help in a time of great need, that proverbial cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Maybe they were a person who was selfless or even self-sacrificial, and you benefited from that sacrifice. Is somebody coming to mind for you yet? What was their name? When was it in your life that you knew them? What was it that made them special? We're going to have a, a, a quiet response and then a louder response. And the quiet response is you can, in your heart, give thanks to God for this person.
And then the louder response is that I'm going to count to three and then we're all going to say the names of the people out loud. One, two, three. It's mm. beautiful. Thank you. So this new series that starts today is called All the Saints. And uh, it's based loosely on All Saints Day, which is actually next weekend. And uh, we are going to observe All Saints Day next weekend. Uh, and uh, in addition to Halloween, we're not a church that gets freaked out about Halloween. Um, <laughs> and uh, even though we're not doing the trick-or-treating starting in this room like we have for many, many years, um, I'm sure we'll resume that next year. This is still a pretty good neighborhood to trick-or-treat in, actually. Um, and if you don't have a place to go, you can do that. And if you want to wear your costumes, that is... I mean, it's intended for children, but if you as an adult (laughs) wanted to do that for whatever reason, you could. (laughs) You won't get any shame from me beyond what I just said. (laughs) Anyway, in addition to Halloween, next weekend is also when All Saints Day is observed. And if you don't know what All Saints Day is, um, we're going to observe it in a special way that I'll tell you about at the end of the sermon. But it's simply a high holy day in the Christian church. It's a feast day uh, when all of the saints of the church are remembered whether they're known to us or unknown to us. It's a way of remembering all the saints. And now... Sorry about that. I was getting a little hot mic there. I think I fixed it. Um, I could have muted it before I did that, though, so I do apologize, especially if you're listening on headphones and Zoom. My bad. (laughs) Um, We are uh, part of the, uh, the Protestant stream of Christian... Uh, tradition And so for us, All Saints Day may not be something that we are super familiar with, uh, even though it is observed in all kind of sectors of the church. Um, in some traditions, uh, the, the saints are regarded very highly in certain ways that maybe Protestants aren't familiar with or even comfortable with. But, um, you know, so, for example, sometimes saints are even prayed to or um, besieged in a way, like pray for us, saint so-and-so, that kind of thing, is not really the language that you hear um, in the Protestant church, ours included. And so All Saints Day, for some of you, may kind of make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. But here's the thing. I would just say, you know, whatever our reasons might be or our methods might be for doing it, um, we shouldn't shy away from remembering and honoring the heroes of our faith. We are all here in large part because of the people who handed the faith down through the generations. And so remembering and honoring the saints is something that we are very comfortable with doing, even though um, that may be new language to some of you. And I have to say that this idea feels kind of important to me right now. (laughs) Um, Maybe it's a penance or something, but we've spent the last several weeks in the Reclaiming Christianity series, um, you know, very consciously and intentionally letting go of some of the parts of our religious heritage that have been hurtful or harmful or toxic to us. And that's something that we definitely need to do. I think sometimes there's a little bit of an overcorrection factor that comes into play with this kind of thing where you want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, if you'll pardon the cliche. And so recognizing all the saints of the church in this, I hope, special way is almost like a a counterpart to the reclaiming Christianity thing because it's a way of acknowledging and affirming and embracing the the good aspects uh, of the religious tradition that we were raised in, if we were. And if you weren't raised in it, it's still your history. You've been kind of adopted into that. 
So to get us started today, I want to talk to you and tell you about three saints of the church. Three committed Christians who serve as an example of what can happen um, when God works through a person. And these three saints might be types of, the types of people we would want to emulate in certain ways. Although, as you'll see, we wouldn't necessarily want to have the fate that they all experienced. Uh, so here's the first saint. The first saint uh, we've already gotten some hints of in our service today. It's Ignatius of Loyola. Um, <clears throat> you see a painting of him here. He's a very stern-looking fellow, but... Uh, actually quite wonderful and warm-hearted in his own way. He was a 16th century Spanish Catholic priest. And he ended up co-founding the uh, religious order known as the Society of Jesus, or more commonly known as the Jesuits. Ignatius was a wealthy person, and he was a soldier. And these two things were key parts of his identity. Um, until he had a conversion experience, which took place while he was convalescing after having surgery. Now imagine 16th century surgery, right? Um, His leg had been shattered by a cannonball, and so he had to have the surgery, and he was recovering for a long time. And he wanted to read his favorite books while he was recovering from surgery, and so he asked for these books that that were his favorites, were the ones about um, chivalry, you know, he was a wealthy nobleman with, who's a soldier. He wanted books about romance and, and um, you know, like battle and that kind of stuff, right? But those books weren't in the castle. It's the problem we all face sometimes. The books we want are not in the castle that we own. Um, and so his sister-in-law brought him instead the writings that told the story of Christ and the saints. Right? Now remember, this is the sixth. Century, we did not have widely available Bibles yet. The printing press was very new technology, right? Um, and so he got these books that were just the stories of Christ and the stories of the saints. And as he was reading those, he experienced his own conversion. And so after he was recovered, he went on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And during this pilgrimage, the Lord changed his heart, and his desires were transformed. And he gave away all his fine clothes to the poor people he met on the pilgrimage trail. And he wore sackcloth. And when he got to his destination, he hung his sword and his dagger on a statue of Mary and never picked them up again. Now, Ignatius was a spiritual reformer. Within the Catholic Church, he was not a separatist. During a time when separatists like Martin Luther and John Calvin were trying to reform doctrine and theology, he was trying to reform the spirituality of his church. Now, sometimes you have to be a separatist. Don't we know that a little too well? But his, his goal and his role was to try to reform from within. And so Ignatius is most famous for today, for, you know, not for founding, founding the Jesuits, and for developing an order and a rule of life that included uh, contemplation and discernment. Now, some of this you've heard me talk about. My spiritual director is from the Jesuit tradition, and she has taught me a lot of Ignatian spirituality, for which I'm very grateful. But um, some of it you may have heard me talk about. Ignatian reading, which is where you read a story from the Bible, particularly and especially from the Gospels, and you imagine yourself in the scene, and you think about the senses 
What can you see, taste, smell, touch, hear um, in that scene? There with Jesus and the apostles, perhaps. You may have heard of an Ignatian retreat, which is typically a 30-day experience of contemplation. Sometimes it's shortened down for our modern uh, era when you can't quite necessarily get away for 30 days. You've heard me talk about the Ignatian examen. Not the examine, but the examen, which is a daily reflection of how you've been present with God and how God has been present with you. And you've heard me talk, I think, a lot about Ignatian discernment, which is where you look for the fruit of the Spirit to be more or less present as you contemplate competing ideas for how to move forward with your life. So as we think about Ignatius and the Bible, we would be focusing on the Gospels. That's why I had uh, the Beatitudes read right before the sermon today. Um, Ignatius's most famous work, uh, The Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius, uh, is striking in that all of the specific chapter and verse references, with two brief exceptions, were taken from the four Gospels. His entire spirituality was based on the life of Christ. And so the Beatitudes and the teachings of Jesus are very important within Ignatian spirituality. And you could distill his life lesson down into live your life in a Jesus-y way. (laughs) So we give thanks for the witness of St. Ignatius of Loyola. I'm going to take you even further back into church history for our second saint, Vibia Perpetua. Um, She was much earlier. She was an African woman um, who died about 200 CE. In fact, she was martyred uh, at the age of 22. You see her in this painting with um, another co-martyr, Felicitas, um, a.k.a. Felicity. And um, Perpetua is amazing. Um, She also was a kind of a noble woman, whereas Felicity was a slave. She converted to Christianity at a time during the Roman Empire when it was illegal to do so. And so she was arrested and imprisoned, and her father begged her to recant, but she refused, and even went so far as to find a way to get baptized while being imprisoned for being a Christian. (laughs) That involved converting a jailer. There's some scriptural precedent for that. (laughs) While she was in prison, she had many visions and dreams, um, which were recorded in an autobiographical account, uh, which historians have vetted, and and it seems pretty well established that it's a legitimate account by this person. And it goes right up to the time of her death. She was literally put into, I don't know if it was the actual Colosseum, but it was a gladiatorial execution. And so the, the, the end of her story is written by an eyewitness to her execution, to her martyrdom. Some Bible verses that come to mind when you think about St. Perpetua um, would be First Peter 4, 12 through 14. Let me put that on the screen for you and read it for you as well. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. 
But rejoice insofar as you are sharing in Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Sounds like the end of the Beatitudes, doesn't it? Because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. Now those verses from 1 Peter 4, they seem pretty foreign to our experience of the faith, most of us, right? The closest I ever came to be being persecuted for my faith was somebody looking funny at me when I was at that see you at the flagpole prayer thing in school. <laughs> How many of you went to the see you at the pole? How many of you felt persecuted when the kids walked past you on the bus, right? <laughs> Not quite the St. Perpetua level of persecution. It might even seem somewhat overwrought in our context to talk about that. But those words sure do fit for Vibia Perpetua. And we give thanks for her witness. The third saint for you uh, is Genevieve Knox. Genevieve became a Christian as a young adult. Um, After being raised in an unbelieving family, she said that she had always been a little ashamed of her family and the way that they had lived, especially her father's family, who were given to drinking too much. And she said that when she got saved, which is the language that she used, she finally felt like she had some worth because God had adopted her into his family. She didn't need to be ashamed of her family anymore. That's why her favorite hymn was Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. After her conversion, uh, Genevieve dedicated her life to her family and to her church. She experienced great tragedy when her son was killed in his 20s after being in a fire. And she raised her two other kids to love God and to love others. Genevieve always had a smile and a warm heart. She somehow never allowed the hardships of her life, which certainly must have impacted her, to prevent her from being outwardly welcoming and loving to everybody who entered her home or her church. Uh, As lovely as she was... uh, Amazing Grace being her favorite hymn, you wouldn't have wanted to sit next to her in church while she was singing it, because she could carry a tune about as well as I could carry a dump truck. (laughs) Genevieve loved uh, playing Scrabble and drinking Crystal Light, the strongest thing she ever drank after her conversion, and she loved to eat whisk-fried cheese on Triscuits and Wheat Thins. I called her grandmom. And um, my kids called her Gigi, which was for great grandmother. And uh, Genevieve was a saint too. Nobody made a painting of her. I have some pictures on my phone, though, if you want to see them after. <laughs> She'll never be canonized by any church. But she was a deeply faithful person whose abiding love of God shone out of her 
in the form of her love for other people. And this had an impact across decades and across generations. So we give thanks to, for the witness of St. Genevieve of Spring City. So when I titled this series, All the Saints, I really wanted to emphasize the idea that the saints are so much more, it's such a broader concept than the famous figures who are known all around the world today. That's why I told you about Grandmom. And that's why I started out today by asking you to think about someone who had revealed God to you in some way. And here's what I'd like to ask you to consider. That that person you thought of at the beginning of the service, or the beginning of the sermon, that that person is a saint, too, in their own right. They've blessed you. And I'm willing to bet that if we knew about them, they would bless us, too. And so, next week, I'm not going to give a sermon. You are. The people of Artisan are going to share stories of the saints in their lives. I wonder if you would consider sharing your saint with us. All you'd have to do is tell us a little bit about them. And tell, them tell, tell us about their own story, if you know it, or if you don't know very much about their story. The important thing is how they impacted your story. And it literally could be just a few sentences. Mine was pretty short. It doesn't even have to be as long as mine was. Um, as you know, we have a wireless microphone. So you could, you could tell the story of your saint right from your seat next week if you're in the room. And if you're on Zoom, we have the technology to get you up on the screen and to hear your voice in the room. And you could tell your story that way too. If you have a wonderful saint in your life, but you are incredibly nervous about public speaking, that's okay. What if you wrote it out? We have some people who, as you know, are not nervous about public speaking. <laughs> I'm sure they would be very happy to read the story of your saint next week in our service. I guess what I'd say is don't let your nerves let us miss out on your saint. Now, this kind of thing works best when we have a little bit of a commitment ahead of time. You think I should ask somebody to raise their hand if they're willing to do this next week? Or should I, should I just stand by the door and go like this as everybody leaves? <laughs> Maybe I'll stand by the door. But listen, um, we want to hear from a lot of you next week. Brief stories. So, like, we could have ten different saints. We could have more than that. I would love to hear, <clears throat> excuse me, the stories of the saints who have shaped your faith and changed your life. Anybody willing? For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.